Welcome to the Assembly of Silence Radio Hour. Here we are. So, this is a commentary I recorded a few months ago now, so it's a little bit dated, but... I feel so uncomfortable about it and so disturbed by it that I think it's worth releasing because it entertains a possibility that I don't want to believe. But there are some good reasons to think it might be the case. And I'll just say up front what it is because it takes a little while for me to get around to it. But basically, the question of, of whether or not it's reasonable to think of liberty, freedom, freedom of speech. I mean, these are some of the basic ideas that make up American democracy and the so-called free world. And it seems that for most of our lives here in the West, we've thought of anything that goes against that as being, well, evil. And that is certainly what it feels like. I think there's two basic points that I end up making here, even though I don't want to be making these points. One is that in some respects, we've abdicated the right to that freedom because of the irresponsibility of our civilization. Now, I focus on the unjust wars, but that's just one of many ways in which the land of the free and the home of the brave has been outrageously irresponsible. I mean, even just domestically, the incredible greed the flagrant consumerism, the culture of celebrity, the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You name it, there's just so many things where, yeah, so we were free to do whatever we wanted, right? And we did all kinds of stuff. Are we still deserving of this freedom? It all comes back to something wicked this way comes. I think I mentioned it recently in another episode, a great book by Ray Bradbury, and an excellent film by the same name. It's all right there. I think that was made in the 50s, maybe the 60s. It was a warning, an unheeded warning. You know what? Most warnings go unheeded, because fundamentally, even the Bible, what do I mean, even the Bible? Fundamentally, we were warned by the ancient scriptures, but we did it anyway. Now, is it because of the freedom that we've lost our freedom? I think you make a pretty good case for that. What kind of a world are we going into? Well, we're going into the kind of world that arises when people do whatever they want to do. People were as greedy as they could possibly be. And they hoarded everything for themselves. So you had this outrageous disparity. People were as decadent as they wanted to be. And so pe people have been used and abused and, and just treated like disposable objects. 
People talk about government as if it were some force that wasn't populated by people, but people go into government, and that's what government consists of, the people who are in it. It's been people all along who are doing these things. Anyway, I don't want to waste a hell of a lot more of your time. It's not a very long episode. If you find this stuff worthwhile in some way or another and you want to toss a, uh, a shekel into the beggar's bowl, taijireality.substack.com or patreon.com slash taijireality or you can paypal me at taijireality at gmail.com. And if you want to say something about this, well, I encourage you to contact me directly at silentassembly at protonmail.com or you can leave comments on the YouTube video or you can contact me, I think, on Patreon. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff to do if you want to interact with this stuff. I'd be really curious to know what people think of it. On the other hand, you know, basically I'm doing this to get, get it off my chest. I heard recently this discussion of, uh, of the philosopher... Oh, what the heck is his name? Siron? Let me see if I can find him. Yeah. Emile Siron? I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. And apparently, his whole thing was... I don't care if anyone reads what I'm doing. Apparently, he was given awards for his writing, and he never accepted the awards. <laughs> I love that. That's a real mensch. He just wrote because he felt that it was great therapy to get these things off your chest. Because like, you're kind of bothered by stuff until someone hears it, or until it's expressed at least. I mean, obviously he wasn't content with just writing it, because people ended up reading what he wrote. So he must have had it published somewhere. So it's just kind of getting it out there. It reminds me of this section from the Gospel of Thomas where Jesus talks about if, if, you, if you take what is within you and make like your inside the same as the outside, then, then, uh, then that's like the living spirit inside of you. You're fulfilled. But if you withhold what's from within you, then that thing that's within you will kill you. I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think that's probably why I'm continuing to do this project and the other projects I'm doing with Taiji Reality. At any rate, I think I said, as usual, what seems to happen is I say in the introduction nowadays that, okay, that was it, I'm done with the introduction, and the next thing you know, another few minutes have gone by, and here we are, eight minutes into the episode, and I haven't even started it, so I guess I better... Hit that bell and get you guys right into the episode. I hope you find it interesting. Adios. Okay, I'm going to take a crack at talking about something that I really don't want to talk about. But, unfortunately, sometimes you hit a point in history where to not talk about something is an abdication of responsibility. And particularly if you're someone who is doing their best to take a cold, hard look at what's going on and make appropriate observations given your own perspective, well, 
you know, then it's just cowardly not to say something. So recently there's been a lot of action going on with respect to the COVID controversy. And in particular, I follow the work of Dr. Brett Weinstein and, and, uh, he's released a number of videos recently. They're extremely important and, uh, very well reasoned arguments regarding the safety and effect efficacy of ivermectin, for instance, the safety and effect efficacy of the mRNA vaccines. And, um, and these videos have been censored by YouTube. So there's a lot of issues here. And I'm not going to get into all of the weeds about the specifics of the arguments presented on his shows. If you want, you can see them on Odyssey. I will uh, provide links in the show note description. But, uh, but ultimately, the question arises, if it's the case, let's make that emphasis, if it's the case, that ivermectin is an effective treatment and prophylaxis for COVID, well, that completely undermines the argument for the vaccines in the first place, because these vaccines were rushed to market under emergency use authorization because, and only because, there is no effective treatment. And so we might reasonably see why there would be uh, reluctancy on the part of the pharmaceutical industry to acknowledge this fact at this point, given that they have a gigantic financial boondoggle on their hands, and, uh, and that there might be some serious liability issues if it was discovered that they were essentially denying the public an effective treatment. Not to mention the rest of the medical community, which is charged with the responsibility of doing no harm. And so, you know, as usual, this has been something that's happened many times in the course of this disaster. The CDC and the WHO have a rather questionable set of recommendations that have at times been changed. And so one of the things that's brought up quite often is the question regarding motivation. And, you know, the most obvious one would be the financial motivation, which I just alluded to. That seems to be where most people stop. But if we want to consider all the possibilities here, we have to entertain a number of rather disturbing global issues. Because certainly it's the case that humanity is testing the limits with regards to its place here on planet Earth. And so, given that we have found few ways of being able to curtail our rather destructive activities, I mean, we have curtailed them to some extent. The environmental movement has had some impact, although I'm not sure I would call it a success, uh, 
and you know we don't want to get bogged down into the whole climate change debate but you know regardless of what one thinks about the carbon dioxide issue it's certainly true that we have changed the environment significantly and that has had climactic effects it's pretty clear uh, just on the basis, for example, of uh, deforestation, because we know that you know when when you remove a canopy, the water is no longer held there. It's less likely to have rainfall. So it's just it's extremely basic stuff. You don't even have to get into the technical aspect of it. It's obvious that any species that has an impact on on its environment is going to change the the climate. It's all very interactive. So. Now, you know, there's a political side to all of that. And you could make the argument that that what the, let's just say, the global elites have been trying to do is to curtail human activity. Of course, not their own, but everyone else's. Human activity in, in the service of saving the planet. It's not an unreasonable presumption. I mean, of course, it's very self-serving, and, and they seem to have no problem... Uh, aggregating great wealth and power and flying all over the world if they believe in, in the carbon uh, issue then anyone who takes more than a, a flight per year I'd say is a complete hypocrite and the elites more so than most because of course their carbon footprints are just outrageously larger than anyone else so you know with all that in mind uh, we might start to think about whether or not COVID is a similar type of program, an effort to, well, whether intentionally or not, let's say leverage the situation to, uh, to reduce human impact on the globe. So, you know, that seems like it would explain a lot of what's going on, right? It would explain why these large tech monopolies are censoring information that might, well, basically resolve the crisis. Uh, it might explain why these experimental vaccines are being used that seem to have, you know, not just the potential for damage, but which have already done a great deal of damage. The the the, uh, the casualties from these vaccines are far greater than what's ever been allowed before. And if you don't, if you're not aware of that information, then I definitely suggest that you take a look at the conversation that Weinstein had with. Um, one of the inventors of the mRNA vaccines and another uh, entrepreneur who's been detailing and cataloging the many instances of damage done to people as a result of taking them. So we find ourselves in a very strange situation, those of us who are trying to understand what's going on, particularly because understanding requires the sharing of information. None of us can understand this all by ourselves. It's through interaction with others that we gain a deeper understanding of things. And right now, you know, one of the, the kind of pillars of Western civilization has fallen because we're no longer allowed to freely converse. And we are living in a deeply censored society, which is alarming for those of us who grew up um, having been taught how totalitarian societies that censor are evil. So it's very difficult to 
come to terms with the fact that we now live in one so in a society exactly like the one described in, by Orwell and other dystopian alarm bell ringers from the past. So it's natural to feel as if this is a dark period that we're heading into. But I think to some extent that might be counterbalanced by the realization that that humanity is kind of rubbing up against its the, the limits of what we can do on this planet. And whether intentionally or not, uh, nature is going to start kind of taking us apart if we can't find a way of settling back within her fold comfortably. And clearly we're not really doing that. We, we don't, we're, we're way beyond the point where we can, uh, I mean, in essence, since the bomb, we uh, have allowed our numbers to proliferate and have used economic forces to take advantage of the earth in ways we had never done previously so as to avoid the kinds of wars that characterized the 20th century, early part of the 20th century. And of course, that's completely understandable. We, we had to avoid getting into another nuclear war. And so finding other ways of unwinding civilization, unwinding the population pressures, uh, that's been the goal of the, of the technocrats. And while it may seem evil, and you know, uh, I certainly feel that it is, it, it's understandable. You might even say that it's a natural adaptive response. So from an evolutionary perspective, a species that hopes to survive would have to curtail itself. It's, it's essentially the equivalent of what used to happen in the ancient world when, when children were sacrificed when there wasn't enough available to sustain them. It's a very common practice. I think I heard recently that something like 45% of children born in Hawaii were killed in the earlier, earlier periods. Because there just simply wasn't, you know, they, they, had under, they had learned that to exceed the natural fold created evils far greater than the killing of innocents which is a horrible thing to contemplate, but, but this is reality. Now, do I have enough data to, to say that that's where we are as a global civilization? I mean, it seems like there's plenty of evidence just about anywhere you go, just about anything you look at. We've reached limits. And so, I don't know for certain but it seems like a reasonable supposition, and I don't see any reason why we, we shouldn't take that into consideration, because right now the tendency would be one to, well, demand our freedoms, I suppose, you know, and to see the censorship as being unequivocally evil, and, um, and to resist and fight against it, but I'm really not sure that we're really at that point anymore. I'm not sure that the true kind of classical liberal point of view has sufficient 
foundation left because it's the circumstances that allow for a particular way of living. And if for no other reason than the fact that we see such incredible disparity happening in the world, and there are plenty of other possible reasons too, it seems that, that the classical liberal sensibility is a pipe dream. And that, you know, it really has been the exception throughout human history that people have been free to say whatever they want, to exchange information freely. So it may be, you know, and if it's kind of an ironic thing to be saying, because I'm I'm on this platform now, freely speaking. But what I'm freely speaking saying is that I'm not sure that freely speaking is really a reasonable thing to ask of this world anymore. Just given the realities of the world. What do you think? Thanks for listening. We look forward to serving you again soon. In the meantime, remember, turn that thing over a few times before you pick it up and take it home. <laughs>